Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 193 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is currently a senior program manager for Microsoft, focused on education. She received a PhD in computer science from UCSD in 2014, and during graduate school, she co-founded ThoughtSTEM, a company that teaches children to code through software and courses. She's also author of a dozen technical books targeted at students, and she was recently named in Forbes 30 Under 30 list and UCSD's 40 Under 40 alumni. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Sarah Guthels. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So Sarah, that was obviously quite an extensive intro. Could you perhaps expand on it and maybe give us a bit of a background into what you do and how you came into tech? So currently, I'm actually a senior program manager at Microsoft. I'm on the Azure engineering team. And basically, I like jobs, particularly in tech, that are related to education. And I think that started because my mom's a a teacher. Ah, right. (laughs) Um, Yep, yep. And I didn't discover tech until I was in college. And I benefited a lot from tutors and TAs and the amazing professors at UCSD. And that learning environment in that community is just something that really stuck with me. So what I do today is is basically try to help novice learners, whether they're young children or adult professionals, learn how they can use the power of, you know, the mysterious cloud to solve the problems that they have. Can you tell us a little bit about ThoughtSTEM as well? This is something you started a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm no longer with ThoughtSTEM anymore. And I started it when I was a grad student. And it's still running, though. My co-founders are still doing it, which is great. Basically, I was teaching kids to code on the weekends for fun. I just loved doing it. So while I was in grad school, I just invite some fourth, fifth, sixth graders to my lab, and I would just teach them how to code. And one day my lab mate said, this kind of is cool. Why don't we turn this into a company? So we did. (laughs) Yep. Excellent. Yeah. We started out thinking that we would teach kids to code privately in their homes for like $100 an hour. And where we ended up now is they still run after school programs, um, weekend workshops, And it's much more affordable than that. We have collaborative classes where students are learning how to communicate technically as well as build. And we have some softwares. Learn to Mod was one of our bigger softwares where students would learn how to mod Minecraft in the browser. Right. And obviously, um, just going to Minecraft itself, you've written quite a few books in that particular field. Yeah, I've written a couple on modding Minecraft with that Learn to Mod software. Um, And then I've written one on just how to build in Minecraft. Building in Minecraft is not too hard. You just right click and a block gets placed. But I really walk students through the problem solving aspect. Because even though the building isn't coding necessarily, it still is the same problem solving computational thinking that they would have once they do get into coding. 
Right. And do you see Minecraft as a, as a good basis for maybe a young person to start considering potentially a career in, in tech? Definitely. Definitely. I When I first saw Minecraft, I thought it was just going to be like a video game fad. And of course, it had, you know, fandom and it had a really high spotlight time. But watching it in classrooms and watching it, whether it's a formal classroom with a teacher or an informal learning space where kids are just discovering the way that students just walk up to, I call it a playground, a toy rather. It's not a game, it's a toy. And it allows students to have a goal and figure out how to use this toy or tool to accomplish their goal. And the world is infinite. And that's that's how I see coding too. So I definitely think that it's a, a really unique software that introduces students to the world of technology and the world of problem solving and exploration. Yeah, it's certainly um, been popular in this household, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So Sarah, can you share with us a, a top career tip, one that the audience may not know and should? The biggest thing that I think everyone needs to know is that you need to check in with yourself. You need to remember that you are a whole person who is growing and changing. And this is particularly a career tip because your whole life you are spent with a specific goal in mind, you know, to get a good job and to make good money and and to have, you know, a successful career but it's okay to check in with yourself and you should often. Even if you think you're happy, even if you're happy doing what you're doing, stop every so often. I do it every six months and just say, is there anything in my career that I don't like that I can change within my current role, within my current team, within my current company? Or do I want to do something completely, completely different? And I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give because I've gotten to do such incredible things. I've had so many amazing experiences simply because I didn't feel stuck and I felt like I could make a change if I wanted to. Right. So you do that every six months or so. Does it does that change your sort of goals and objectives? Do you feel that it, it changes the core of what you do or do you think it's just sort of slight navigational variations? Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on where I am in life. So for example, I checked in with myself when I was graduating undergrad and I had a full-time offer from Microsoft and I could have gone and and worked up in Redmond and I enjoyed the team I was working on and I enjoyed the company. I mean, clearly I'm back there now, but I also had an opportunity to do a five-year master's program where I could stay for one more year and, and, and complete that. And the normal trajectory that I was on would have sent me to Microsoft and had I not stopped and, and checked in with myself and said, you know, a master's is an opportunity for me and applied for that, I would have never had that opportunity and I wouldn't be the person I am today. So sometimes it can be completely life-changing. And sometimes, you know, it's just that I want to move my office around because the sun keeps glaring <laughs> in my face and I realize that, you know, I don't get enough work done or something like that. Um, yeah. So it's it's really just kind of checking in, remembering I'm a whole person and that I can change any bits about my life to make it better. Right. So in terms of that process of checking in with yourself, do you just find some time? Do you just literally sit down and go, right, 
I need to think about what I'm doing and whether it's right for me. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the way it works? When I do give myself that time, what I focus on is what are the things about my life that are making me happy, um, that are giving me drive, and what are the things that I feel like are in my way or making me unhappy. And I just balance whether the drive that I have for a particular goal is worth the effort or the things that might make me unhappy. I remember reading some article once, I can't even remember what it was, about how you know, millennials just want to always be happy and they're going to just, you know, jump from company to company because they just want to feel like they get a pat on the back. And I think that that's wrong, at least for myself. Um, I will make a change if I'm unhappy, but I won't go away from hard work. Like I will work hard if it's towards a goal that I want, but I'm not going to work really hard for a goal that I don't want. That just doesn't make sense. And so I think it's just that, right? It's it's checking in. Are those goals still worth it? Is the effort behind those goals still worth that goal? Um, is there anything I can do, big or small, to achieve that goal faster or more successfully? And is there anything that I can do, big or small, to change that goal if I have to? So Sarah, can you share with us your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience? It's kind of a theme but I have a couple examples of the theme. And I think that the worst moment is when I feel like an imposter. And I think that it's the worst moment because I miss out on the opportunity to improve a conversation that I might be a part of. So an example of this was recently, I was just in a meeting with some folks at Microsoft and I made the assumption that they understood everything about K-12 education that I did. And this was, you know, maybe four months ago. And so they told me, oh, this is the solution to the problem that you're facing. I made that assumption because I was fairly new to the team and fairly new to the company. And I decided that they must know more than me, that I'm basically an imposter. And so I should just listen to what they say. Three weeks ago, I realized, oh, this one person that I spoke to actually didn't know about that. And (laughs) I just wasted almost, you know, three months on a solution that wouldn't be possible. And I knew it wasn't possible in that first conversation. I just made the assumption that they knew more than I did. And it's not that I always know more, but that feeling of being an imposter will often prevent me from having an enriched conversation and make me afraid to ask questions. So if they did know more than me, I could I could have learned. And if they didn't, in that particular scenario, I could have taught something or they could have learned something. And so I think in general, and this, this has happened to me so many times, just feeling like an imposter really limits my impact. Sure. Um, the good news is, of course, that that gets easier as you get older. I I hear I'm still trying I I teach at UCSD sometimes and there are times I get in front of the classroom and literally still feel like I'm an imposter Um, the other good news though is I'm not afraid to admit it so I will tell my students that and then we have a better relationship because of it yes The, the balance to that of course is the fact that we're always we are all of us always learning so there's always something new and there's nobody who knows everything Exactly. So, yes, you, you will know things that other people don't and vice versa. Exactly, exactly. 
Okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success so far? Yeah, I would say starting that first company was a career highlight for me. And the biggest reason why is because it showed me that I could do anything and it does take hard work and you do fail and that's fine. But it showed me that I didn't have to follow one specific career trajectory. And that was the moment that I realized, oh, I could go and and apply to be a, a university professor, or I could go to one of the major tech companies and work for them, but I could also create my own job. And ever since then, I've actually done it in every single role that I've had. I've made sure that the job that I'm doing every day is unique to me and my skill sets and what I want to learn and how I want to grow. And that's enabled me to be happy at ev- in every single role I've had since then. Right. So you said just now that um, every day. So does that mean you, you, you feel as though there's something different every day and you're learning something new all the time? I think I am. <laughs> constantly because I, I I tend to do a lot in one day. So I tend to enjoy job roles that have many goals and many deliverables across the year. Um, so on any given day, I'm, I'm working on, you know, five different projects, yeah. which allows me to jump between them. And some days I might be doing more writing. Some days I might be doing some coding. Some days I might be doing mentoring. And so each of those things that I do every day, I can learn a little bit more and just discover what it is that I really, really enjoy doing. Yes, that's good. And what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? This is what got me into IT, I think. Um, But it's really just that there are so many options. And when I first started, it was like, eye-opening just to see that you could have a computer compute grades for you. And like I said, my mom was is a fourth grade teacher. And I was like, mom, you could have a computer do this for you. And it's like, you know, yeah, I knew Excel existed and, and things like that. But I was like, we could actually write a simple program that's specific to your classroom if you wanted to. And we explored that and, and just the, that empowerment. And now with the accessibility of the cloud, whether you're using Microsoft's, Amazon's, Google's, or you're just, you know, running your own VM on your own computer, whatever you're doing, the accessibility of of high power computing and that, you know, I've been going to these hackathons with these university students and I was just teaching a seventh grader the other day. And it's just like telling them like, what is a problem that you see in the world? And, and the seventh grader was like, I'm really, he had just gotten back from a, a flight and he said, I'm really interested in, in delays, like flight delays. And like, why can't we make that information more accessible to the people flying? And so we found flight information from, you know, four major airports and we just jumped onto Azure notebooks and he used his like free Azure subscription trial. And in a matter of hours, we categorized the flights and we figured out that there are three, you know, if you're only waiting five minutes and eh, it's not really an interesting delay, but it, there are some delays that are overnight and that those are the ones you probably want to avoid. And, and we started just exploring <laughs> all the data and just kind of, it's that, right? It's that yes. any one person can have an interest in anything. And with 
computing power behind them and a little bit of knowledge and the power of search, <laughs> you know, and, and, and community, they can really solve any problem that they're running into or that they, that other people are. And, and I just, I, that's what just really excites me is every single day, you know, IOT is getting more accessible. The cloud is getting more accessible and these sound like buzzwords because they are, but I'm also sitting here staring at my Arduino Uno and my my Meowbit <laughs> um, little kitten bot device, and I'm about to you know like play around with some wires and LEDs, and because it was I, I ordered them yesterday on Amazon, and now I'm going to build something today at five o'clock, you know, and it's right. just it's just there, it's just accessible now. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find a little bit more about you and the way you think. You Great. ready for this? Yeah. So maybe a slight repeat question, but Mm -hmm. what attracted you to a career in IT? It was the community. I was a, wanted to be a medical doctor and the community in undergrad there wasn't as collaborative, but in coding at midnight, you could stand up in the computer lab and three people would come help you if you needed help because it was about (laughs) problem solving and like fun. And yeah, so it was the community. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? That you are negotiating with a company, not the person you're talking to. I think oftentimes I felt guilt over asking for more from a specific person. And I remember one person told me once, you're not asking for their money. You're asking for the company's money for your worth. And that really changed my perspective. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? That if you get a PhD, it means you cannot get a job in the tech industry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. It was basically that, um, you know, yes, if you go into very detailed research where you're doing a lot of abstract, you know, research in math, of course, you need to demonstrate that you can still code. But I almost didn't pursue it thinking I wouldn't be able to work at Microsoft if I got a PhD. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would take courses in other disciplines because, I, like I said earlier, I think it's so interesting how we can apply technical solutions to anything in the world. And I wish I just knew more about other disciplines to be able to, to be more helpful there. Yeah. So about the solutions and where they can be applied as opposed to the technology. Yeah. It's, it's basically that cloud computing and, and, and for example, specifically like Azure cognitive services or something, it's interesting that you can like look through an image and, and discover something. But if I knew more about city planning, you know, or just the way that that works, I, I can't even speak to it because I don't know enough. But I, I think there are, are problems we can solve there. Yep, absolutely. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Basically, my objective is to integrate education into as much as what I do as possible. So whether I'm doing the educating or I'm supporting educators, whatever it is, I think that's, that's one of the most important things in our society. And, and so that's my objective. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I think it's empathy, which goes along with communication, which is essentially listening um, yes. Empathy for users, customers, colleagues, direct reports, managers, 
whoever it is, I think that's the most important skill. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Basically, what what I mentioned at the beginning, I set goals and then I check in and, and make sure those goals are still the goals that I want and that I'm doing something towards those goals every day. Yes. And what do you do away from technology? I love to go to Disneyland. <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> right. things. Um, though I will admit when I'm there, I start to think of things that I could build if I were an Imagineer. Um, but I love to go to Disneyland. Um, I love to write and watch movies and, and listen to audiobooks. But, you know, you can listen to an audiobook on your way up to Disneyland. It's totally yeah, possible. Very true. <laughs> yes. Are you far away from Disneyland? I'm only about an hour away. So I, I usually have an annual pass. My daughter is a year and a half right now though. And so it wasn't worth it quite yet. Sure. But when she turns, you know, two and a half, she's been already a couple times, but when she, she turns to the age where she can really enjoy it, we'll get annual passes again. I hope. Yes. You're not far away. It'll be, yeah, as you say, a year and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a great afternoon. And Sarah, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Remember that you are a whole person. You're not just your career. And that will help you succeed in your career because number one, you'll be putting yourself as a whole person first. But number two, you will bring your whole person to work. And that's where unique solutions and problem solving happens is when you get a diverse set of people who bring their experiences and thought to the table to solve the problem. So just remember you're a whole person. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, um, Twitter. So I'm just Sarah Guthels on Twitter. That's probably the best way. You can email me. It's just Sarah at Guthels.com. Um, but yeah, Twitter, I, I try to post there anything, anytime I'm doing anything new. And in fact, I recently published the GitHub for Dummies book with my former manager at GitHub. And I'd like to say, if you're listening to this um, podcast, you can tweet me your piece of advice or you can tweet me the piece of advice that I mentioned that most resonated with you and anyone who tweets that maybe we need a, a hashtag from, um, from here, then we can, um, I'll, I'll give one signed copy away to a random person. Oh, fantastic. Great. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been great chatting with you. It's been really great. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. 
It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.